Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. Otherwise known as Bruce. Coming at you in the dawn hours of Sunday of week eight of college football, because that's what we're talking about at college football. <laughs> See, I embody the Fat Man so much, I even get Pat to say my name for me. Is that a laziness thing or a... All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, if you've listened to our last couple podcasts, the weeks three, four, and five podcast, I do want to apologize to our listeners if you downloaded that after it released that Friday. The back end was somehow pointed to our weeks one and two. If your podcast app or whatever downloaded that episode in that time frame, then you've got the wrong episode. It's been fixed on the back end, but if you've got the app, you may have to go in, delete your download out, and then get the get the correct episode so we do apologize for that <laughs> appreciate one of our listeners kyle for texting me and letting me know because otherwise i probably would not have found out until tomorrow <laughs> so we only had one day of you know problematic stuff going down okay so continuing on from week five what a roller coaster this <laughs> this season has become goodness gracious me as always, we're following our, our favorite team, Texas A&M University. And, you know, we came into this season pretty highly ranked, five and six, depending on which poll you were looking at. We had, There was a lot of high hopes. I was trying not to get my hopes up personally, but I still had a lot of high hopes. The second game, our quarterback goes out due to injury. Question marks going forward because of how bad we finished that game out. And then uh, weeks four and five, we lose to Arkansas, which it doesn't look like that. That's too bad. But then we go on and lose to Mississippi State, which is just awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that it's Mississippi. Yeah, I liked how funny Maine put it. And we lost that at home, which was pretty sad. And he, he was like, I don't get y'all either of y'all's teams this year. Are you good? Are you bad? You just can't trust people in maroon and white this year. <laughs> <laughs> I will say these last two weeks have been great for me, though. The last three weeks. Yeah, you're right. Three weeks. Yeah, yep. it's been three weeks. So we're going to cover week six, seven, and eight. So we start week six with just the craziest game ever. Strangely enough, these last three weeks, I haven't been able to watch as much college football as I had been before. So I'm not going to go in depth on other games as much as I have been. So this week, of course, this weekend was the weekend my family decided to schedule a camping trip. And so instead of watching this game, I was in the middle of the woods, the Davy Crockett National Forest, in fact, (laughs) which... I will say it's a beautiful forest, but you can't, it's uh, it's difficult to watch a football game from. Now, going into this game, I didn't really have any hopes, right? I kind of thought we were going to get murdered. Alabama was still ranked number one in the nation. They were looking pretty good. Uh-huh. Even despite the almost loss to Florida, they kind of came back after that, and they sort of schooled Ole Miss. And after schooling Ole Miss, it was everybody was like, all right, it looks like Alabama's pretty much Alabama. You know, everything's back to normal here. We're all good. And then game six happened. it really was a good football game surprisingly calzada wasn't 
terrible. I mean, he was actually pretty on point for, for a lot of it. But I think the part that I can remember most was how good our defense actually was. Yeah. They didn't give up a whole like a whole bunch. I mean, when it's when it's Alabama, you're going to give up points. You just know you are. But it's the way you give it up. And and they didn't make egregious errors. You know, Alabama is just a good school. So you're, you're going to have a hard time stopping them. It's just how hard are you making it for them is, is really the case. I could tell you the, the one I don't know how far in the game it was, but uh, we'd given up. It was an interception. Yeah, it was a pick six. And then on the kickoff return, we ran it right back down for a touchdown. So it was like, that was that was the third quarter. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, yeah. OK, from a summary perspective, the first quarter was uh, pretty much all A&M's offense being just right. dominant. A&M puts up a whole bunch of points early on. Yeah, we put up 17 points in the first quarter. Right. <laughs> And then after that, you know, you start seeing the old A&M again where, you know, they start started losing. You go, huh, seen this movie before. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we came out first possession. We, we scored a, a field goal uh, and then Alabama came back and scored a touchdown. And it was sort of like, OK, this is this is how this game is going to go. Then we came back and scored a touchdown and we, it was a beautiful one. Zach Calzada threw, you know, basically to the, the end zone. He found he was able and I'll try not to do this like play by play, but <laughs> <laughs> effectively two major things happened into this game. And the first one was that Zach, Zach Calzada got better. It's not just pocket presence, although that's a piece of it. And it's not just confidence. He also kind of finally stepped into the leader role. It became very clear, I guess, to everybody in the coaching staff and maybe himself that win, lose or tie, he was the quarterback. And so he needed to start acting like one. It wasn't sort of like I'm here until Haynes King's leg is fixed because King's leg is still not fixed uh, even now in week eight. So he's doing the role of the leader now. And on top of that, sort of confidence building, he's able to throw different kinds of passes. Now, what Zach Calzada was known before was throwing bullets, like, you know, just super fast, difficult to defend against, can get it into type spaces, but doesn't work real well in the short, real short passes, simply because if you're just a little bit off target, you'll miss your man. And the other one is the defenders. If you're throwing bullets on short passes, the defense can knock it down because it's got to be low to the ground. The other thing he he seemed to learn how to do since then, though, was throw (laughs) non-bullets, which was the problem he had in the other games, was he wasn't very good at floating the ball. He wasn't good at throwing the long pass in order for it to get picked up. He, He just had problems just overall. The other thing that happened was the offensive line finally fell into a groove. That had been a massive struggle for A&M coming into this game was the fact that the offensive line was pretty much all new. It had had some injuries, and they were effectively shuffling these guys from position to position constantly, trying to get them in a spot that would work. And it looks like they finally found it. Number one, they were able to provide Zach Calzada enough protection that he could stay in the pocket to make a, a decent pass. But secondly, and and I think honestly more importantly, they were able to make holes. And our rushing game kind of exploded. It wasn't as much as it will be in the next two games. (laughs) But but both A-Chain and Spiller were able to run the ball very effectively against Alabama. That was a lot of fun to watch, to be honest, to be very honest. 
On the other side of the ball, the defense, like you said, the defense was amazing. The second quarter was really the defense, the defense's shining quarter, I would say. They were able to both force an inter... Or they didn't force the fumble, but they recovered a fumble. Alabama's got one really good running back, and he is really good. Like, you can see he's very explosive. He's able to get... He's like Spiller. He's able to get six or seven yards out of a play that looked like it was going to be stopped in the backfield. Like, it looked like it was going to be a negative yardage play, and somehow he gets the first down. Young's a decent passer. One of the things about Alabama, you know, you talk about physicality in football games, and I guess, oh, they played really physical, they played really hard. But what does that mean exactly? What that means, at least from an offensive perspective, is after the running back has the ball or after the wide receiver catches the ball, when he gets hit by a guy, he keeps going forward. Right. <laughs> you know, he doesn't crumple and fall to the ground and, and it gets down. He fights. Well, I mean, receiver or running back, that's where we have it on both aspects of our offense is that the stat is called, you know, uh, yards after contact. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, our running backs are just insane in that department. Right. And so are Alabama's. Like, their their (laughs) running backs, their wide receivers are nuts. Like, they will fight for until until you get four or five guys, and in that fight, they'll make another three yards. And we have those, too. And so it was a very, very physical football game, which was, you know, a lot of fun to watch, to be honest. Oh, yeah. So Alabama fumbles the ball during a a handoff. And this, you know, you could see Young was getting a little more nervous as the game went on, especially in the first half, because the defense was also able to actually start sacking him. And they sacked him a lot. (laughs) They were able to get to Young quite a bit, which was pretty impressive against Alabama's uh, offensive line. So the other thing they did was they intercepted what would have been a touchdown pass in the end zone. And what I saw a lot from the defense wasn't it wasn't amazing performance on most of the field. Alabama was still able to get explosive plays. It was kind of like they were able to get them two of the three downs. But on one of those downs, Alabama would get an explosive play and we get the first down. So the defense was doing a a good job, but they weren't able to really contain or, or hold Alabama most of the time. But Alabama would get downfield and they would screw up or they would throw an interception or something of that nature. And so, like we said before, when we talked about interceptions, they don't just happen, right? They happen because your defense is doing its job. Right. Our defense played an amazing first half. They played pretty well in the second half and they came up with stops at critical moments. You know, the final stop being the the very last drive. You know, the offense, you had good series and bad series, but that was happening on both sides of the ball, which was basically what you said. This was a good game. <laughs> this was a really this was a really good game. You saw Alabama really start to try and rally in the third. Right. And they came back. Both teams attempted to get touchdowns. Alabama actually did get one. We came back. We weren't able to get anywhere. We tried to punt the ball. They blocked the punt. They managed to recover the punt in the end zone and got a touchdown. They kick the ball off. A-Chain receives it, and he catches it on the fourth-yard line, and he runs it right down their throats. <laughs> and he does it He does it down the middle. Like, he doesn't even go to the side. <laughs> he, runs down, he runs down the – I mean, he eventually gets to the side of the field, but a lot of his run is, like, right down the middle of the football field, and he scores a touchdown. And so, really, you know, it's almost like nothing happened, right, because both teams just scored. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we come into the fourth quarter, 
uh, and I'm still leading, but they're not being as as explosive as they were before. Right. Like I, like I said, you know, it, it started looking like the old A&M games. You know, we get out and look really good the first half. And then the second half, it's like, hmm, either we're losing steam or they're getting really mad and, and more focused. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're just like trying to hang on. And uh, I can remember sitting here with my girlfriend and holding your hand intently like i'm sorry i'm crushing your hand but this is important <laughs> yeah well and i think a lot of it there was there was a lot of coaching changes that alabama made i think they started doing some stuff with their defense to really put a bottleneck on the run that we were having a lot of success with and then at the same time i think their offense started doing some stuff that our defense wasn't able to calibrate to until towards the end of the fourth quarter right fortunately they did calibrate and they were able to to put a stop and so that's you know where we found ourselves you know with like 4 minutes left at the end of the fourth quarter was a down 31 38 cuz uh Alabama had managed to to score a touchdown and then make, well, so i want to talk about that one though the last Alabama touchdown that was scored Mm-hmm. So what they did was they lined up uh, like they were going to run it, except for they had one guy way, 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 way out on the other side of the field to run it in. And they hiked the ball and they throw it to that guy because AM's defense didn't cover him. Like they, they didn't recognize he was there until it was too late. Our, our defender was running over there to try and cover him, but it was too late. He, he walks into the end zone, puts his hands up, catches the ball, falls on his knees and touchdown. The problem with that play was uh, Alabama's front line wasn't set long enough. Then the announcers called this. His the 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 guy, the left tackle or no, the left tackle. The I don't remember what they're called. Either way, the guy on the left, <laughs> he wasn't fully set. When you set, you have to set for a couple seconds, and this is a this is a way to keep offenses, you know, hurry the hurry up offense, which right. is a, a, a thing Alabama's been doing for a couple of years now. It's to keep it from getting too overwhelming, right? You still have to have a little bit of a pause there. When you go, and so when your offensive line sets, they have to set for two seconds. That guy wasn't set for even one second by the time the ball was was hiked. Didn't get called by the officials. So the, the touchdown was, was official. The other one I didn't like was the, it was a, a fumble that was made by Young that the defense grabbed and, and took into the end zone. Should have been a touchdown. They ruled it that it was an incomplete pass instead of a fumble. Yeah, I don't remember there being a whole lot of bad calls, but yeah, it did seem to happen. It definitely seemed to not be in, in our favor for one and two happen at points where you're just like, uh, they weren't game changing calls, but they really weren't very helpful at all. <laughs> yeah, you had a couple pass interference calls that I thought were fairly questionable. It was kind of like he had his arm on that guy. Come on, <laughs> There's uh-huh. stuff like that. So, yeah, I think if you take the officiating out of it, you end up with, you know, maybe AM having one more touchdown or Alabama having one less. Not as bad as the next game's officiating. The next game's officiating wasn't bad. It was consistent. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, we came down, they scored that touchdown, then they, they scored the two-point conversion. So 38-31, AM gets the ball back, and we just drive it down, and we score a touchdown. Uh, Calzada throws an amazing pass. It was either to Weidemeyer because he was like standing in the end zone open <laughs> or that was the one that was to um, was that to DeMoss or is that Smith? I think that was Smith because he just he just caught it and ran it in and it was a great float long bomb kind of float pass. It was something that Zach had struggled with doing 
and he he did it really good. And so then it's tied up, right? It's 38-38. Alabama gets the ball. The defense manages to put up a stop, which is fantastic. You know, everybody's going completely crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then A&M has the ball. I think we had a minute and a half or maybe two minutes. It was like 2-12 and then two-minute warning we got the ball. They managed to drive it down, and it's this is a Jimbo Fisher special. He's done this. I want to say this is like every time we play a top 10 team, this is how it goes down. Because like you go watch the Florida game. This is exactly how the Florida game end. We slowly drive the ball down in our last possession, get it into like really nice field goal range. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. They're past the field goal line, like the maximum field goal line by about maybe five yards, with just under a minute to go. So they're, they're pushing it down even further. Yep. I mean, there's stuff to be said for why don't we just go for a, a touchdown and, you know, that would end the game. And there's a, okay, how far do we want to push it? Do we want to risk having a turnover? Cause that can get into a quarterback's head, right? I've seen plenty of right. turn, you know, I've seen plenty of interceptions thrown. Yeah. There's that. Not to mention it's clock management, you know, why not see how far they're willing to let you push the clock down? Cause you know, both teams have two timeouts. So it's like, okay, let's just put more clock and see when they're going to throw those timeouts out. Yep. If, if we give them too much time and then they've got two timeouts, well, that 15 seconds turns into two minutes of worth of play, you know, that turns into an extra X number of plays that they could throw. Yep. Plus it really helped getting that pass interference call there at the end. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. put us within real good range. I will say that that was I thought that was a good call because I thought Weidemeyer was getting manhandled by that guy. And I almost want to call that a Zach Calzada pass interference special because he has a way of underthrowing his receivers at the right time. If that makes well, sense. Well, yeah, because I'm looking at the, the replay, and he's putting his hand, like, right up under his chin. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, like, on his chest and then goes up under his chin. And, he, you know, he turns around like, what? What did I do? And it's like, you couldn't possibly have been going for the ball. <laughs> yeah. And because that ball was underthrown, Weidemeyer had to come back for it. And because the defender was in the way and he wasn't looking at the ball, that's almost a guaranteed pass interference. Mm-hmm. If the defender had been looking at the ball – and had been not messing with Weidemeyer, we might have had an interception. Right. So those are dangerous, but they're it's interesting because they've I've seen it's it's almost one a game one or two a game that <laughs> this happens. <laughs> yeah, we we got down the field, we got the ball in the middle of the field. Seth Small came out and kicked the field goal, and for the first like split second, that looked like it was going to go way far left. Yeah, that's why I was holding. Again, this is one of those ones I'm really holding on to my girlfriend's hand because I'm like, boy, I've, I, I just can't, I can't just think this is going to be a, t- a chip shot for him, you know, because you just, it, it's just one of those classic things. You never say it's automatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like the Dr Pepper commercial told us. <laughs> <laughs> never say this guy's automatic. He said it was automatic. <laughs> You jinxed him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I was holding my breath for that one. And uh, let's see, I'm watching it right now. Uh, 28 yards. And it actually goes way left and then curves back right. I I thought the same thing. I was like, holy son of a. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and we get the win. 41-38 as time expires. The crowd explodes onto the field. So great. (laughs) Yeah. So this is the second time in our SEC days that we have rushed the field. And that comes with a fine. (laughs) (laughs) A $100,000 fine for an SEC school team. 
let me just say for all the fans who haven't said it out loud onto into a microphone whoop dee doo yeah <laughs> yeah they yeah uh, they stormed the field you know the first the first time you do it's fifty thousand, and that was the lsu game the the second time you do it, it's a hundred thousand, and then every time you do it after that, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like like Bruce said, I don't think anybody cares. Jimbo Fisher's on a nine million dollar a year contract, guaranteed pay. Trust me, we don't care about the two hundred fifty thousand dollars we might get if we rush the field. Yeah, interesting. enough, Johnny Manziel was there on the sidelines, so we got to see footage of him going crazy since he's the last A and M quarterback to beat Alabama. We saw footage of Jimbo Fisher dancing after the game. Uh, that was pretty hilarious. And the Gatorade bath. <laughs> the Gator- oh, yeah, the Gatorade bath. Was amazing. Nor- you know, it's funny because he, a lot of times he'll, he's able to run away from those. He's able to get out <laughs> before they hit. But he, he didn't do it this time. They got him. So that was um, that was a big game. That was prime time. So that wasn't until 7 p.m. There's a lot of other stuff that happened around the football world. As, as some of the various folks put it the next on Monday, it's like everything is on fire <laughs> in the football <laughs> world because this was a huge upset because oh, yeah. at this stage, Texas A&M is not ranked. We're an unranked team. Right. For two losses in a row. Yeah. Alabama hasn't lost to an unranked team in 100 games. I mean, think about that. Yeah, in 12-game <laughs> seasons. So, you know. A decade, <laughs> almost. Almost a decade. Yeah. So I haven't lost to an unranked team. Nick Saban's never lost to a former coach or one of his former, former assistant coaches. So Jimbo Fisher was the first one. And he's got a lot. He's got like 10 former assistant coaches who are now head coaches at different uh, college football. Mm-hmm. And I think Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss was the one a lot of people thought was going to do it, especially this year. But did not happen. Alabama kind of stormed over them. So Jimbo Fisher was able to do it. Which we're all very proud of him. I'm very happy. And, you know, it just, it makes you feel like those $9 million a year is at least some amount worth it. (laughs) So this was obviously huge. This was huge college football. Alabama falls, I think, to fifth. So they fall out of the top four. You know, everybody talks about like the top five. It's not the top five. Nobody cares about that. It's top four (laughs) because... We're all looking at playoff stuff here. Alabama was week six, so the week following, Cincinnati was ranked three, and Iowa was number two. And that's because Iowa beat Penn State, right? Right. The way this falls out, Penn State beats Auburn, right? Penn State was ranked 10, and Auburn was like 15 or something, but everybody thought Auburn was going to win. Penn State beats them. Okay, Penn State apparently is really good. Penn State keeps winning games. You know, Iowa's looking good, too, at that point because they were 6-0. and so Iowa's ranked three, Penn State is ranked four. Iowa be, beats Penn State 23-20. It's a fairly close game, but Iowa wins out. Personally, to me, both these teams are massively overranked, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's mainly because I think at this point they're trying to make sure that the the four-team playoffs aren't all SEC teams. <laughs> I mean, that's just sort of how the rankings are. It seems like they're very preferential against the SEC. They're trying to boast people up. Because let's be honest. I mean, yeah, the Bearcats are doing really well in their own conference. But what's their conference? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who have they played exactly? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and we can go around the other games. Other big game in the SEC was Georgia-Auburn because Auburn was actually ranked. Auburn actually scored first, so they managed to score a field goal. Um, <laughs> and they put up they put up 10 points, which honestly is fairly impressive against Georgia this year. Georgia beat them, though, 34-10. to 10. 
So that that wasn't surprising at all. Other real big game in the SEC was Arkansas and Ole Miss because both those teams were ranked as well. I think Arkansas was 17, Ole Miss was like 15. That game was was ridiculously close too. I actually think I might go back and watch that game, but Ole Miss beats Arkansas 52 to, to 51. Think about it, one point, right? 52 to 51. Uh-huh. Ole Miss is supposed to be this dominant uh, offensive team, and they put up 52 points. But Arkansas is not known for being a dominant offensive team. They're supposed to be, you know, primarily a balanced, maybe a little more on the defensive side, kind of like AM is. They put up 51 points. I, I kind of thought going into this year that Ole Miss had sort, of, had sort of found a defense, and it seems like some games they do and some games they don't. And in this game, it doesn't look like they had much of one at all. LSU, Kentucky. Kentucky continued to win, which was blowing everybody's mind. <laughs> they beat LSU 42 to 21. 42 to 21. I mean, as bad as LSU is, that's still ridiculous that Kentucky beat them. Kentucky beat them at all. <laughs> they beat them literally by double points. One game I want to talk about before we move on from week six is the Texas-Oklahoma game. That was, you know, the Red River Showdown. Uh, happens in in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. That was a nuts game because the score, like 50-something to 40-something. Texas was winning for a lot of that game. And then OU came back and won it which just cements my belief that OU sucks (laughs) (laughs) and Texas sucks. So yeah, 55 to 48. It was literally like they were trading touchdowns the entire game. But when you look at the actual score, what it was is it was too completely unbalanced. Texas came out ridiculously strong, scored 28 points in the first quarter and then 10 points and then three points as you go through quarters. And then they scored a touchdown. Versus Oklahoma, who went the other direction. They scored seven points in the first quarter, 13 in the second, 10 in the third, and then 25 in the fourth. <laughs> it was basically, uh, you know, Texas came out real strong and tried to hold on, and Oklahoma was a slow starter and then, you know, blew him out of the water. That was nuts. 55 to 48. I mean, come on. <laughs> also, TCU managed to beat Tech 52 to 31. 52 to 31. <laughs> TCU who? Yeah. <laughs> exactly TCU who Texas could barely beat but Texas is back Texas is back <sighs> so so that was week 6 Let, let's go to week 7 to Mizzou that one I know you watched I kind of got some hints at it so other than being what all of our other games really should have been this one was more or less a blowout wasn't it this was um fairly a blowout you know this was kind of a a very similar thing to uh alabama Mm -hmm. except that mizzou is not alabama a&m came out ridiculously strong it it really was a first quarter game yeah 21 in the first quarter (laughs) and then the rest of the game kind of happened every time a&m touched the ball they scored a touchdown right at least the offense did every time mizzou touched the ball they went three and out like the defense just didn't let him move the ball it was not the same story in the second and the third quarter. In the second and the third quarter, both teams managed to score a touchdown. They just exchanged. Yeah, and there was a lot more stoppage. There's three really weird things about this game. The first really weird thing was Seth Small. Seth Small kicked two field goals. He missed both. And he didn't miss because it went wide right or wide left. He missed on both because it was short. 
<laughs> which is really strange for Seth Small because he's been able to kick 60-yard field goals. Right. And one of them fell short, like, significantly. It was like, you know, one of them was in the end zone, right? It fell short right in the end zone. And the other was short, like, still in play, <laughs> almost. <laughs> I mean, it rolled into the end zone, but... It was very strange to see him short kick. I think on one of them, he ended up kicking the laces of the ball. And that was one of the reasons. And the other one, he just got his foot too far under it. But this should have been 41 to 14 instead of 35 to 14. Um, But that was weird. Number two, uh, we talked about before, this game was almost constant penalties. I want to say there was every every two downs there was a penalty and there were a, they they were calling pass interference if anybody got a, even a little handsy. Right. <laughs> it just seems like in a lot of these games and frankly doing a preview for this one is that what it seems like the referees are trying to do is like make the games interesting by using penalties. You know, like oh this team is obviously overpowering the other one, so let's slow it down so we give so we can make it look like a good game. <laughs> Yeah, there were several stall drives. Effectively, Mizzou could not stop the run, period, end of story. The Spiller and A-Chain, there were holes that were so big, you could have driven a truck through them, mm-hmm. literally. Like, there was one there was one hole for, I think, the third or second touchdown in we the first quarter. 283 rushing yards for the whole game. Yeah, 283. And that was literally, it was split, because I think uh, Spiller had like 100 and something, and A-Chain had like 110. Spiller 168, A chain 124. Spiller averaged 8.4 per carry, and he had 20 carries. Mm-hmm. 8.4 yards per carry. <laughs> Think about that. That means you're getting a first down every two downs. Right. Which is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a chain was 7.8 per carry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're running like that. And Calzada wasn't as good as a passer in this game. He was he was actually a lot better in the Alabama game. If you look at the Alabama game, he lit, he makes his first ten passes in the Alabama game, which is massively impressive for him. He he is not as efficient in this game, and he misses right. a lot more. And he does those thirteen for twenty five for one hundred and forty eight yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. QBR rating or QB rating of sixty six, which is not good. Yeah, so he's not nearly as good in this game as he was before. We were kind of more or less relying on our running game. But they couldn't stop the run, so it got us to win. <laughs> you know, that and the defense, they did, they did a good job. You know, we come around to the fourth quarter. At the fourth quarter, we've got a lot of our secondaries coming in, second string guys, both on defense and offense. But uh, Mizzou still isn't able to make uh, any points in the fourth quarter, but neither are we. And that's in part because we've got second second string guys in yeah our defense only allowed 98 yards rushing an average of uh, 3.3 yards per play and they only ran 30 rushing plays now in the air it was a little bit different story AM defense allowed 230 yards over 29 plays and 7.9 yards per play so i don't know if it's the pass rushing or the pass coverage but somebody's got to tighten up out there for that i think it's pass coverage to be honest yeah, I think pass rushing we do fine sometimes. I, you know, I think a good offensive coordinator knows what he's doing. I mean, that's one of the reasons Mississippi State was able to score so many points on us is just our defensive schemes, and they're an all they're an all passing team. Mm-hmm. They don't really run the ball at all. So that'll be that'll be interesting when we get later in the in the season when we play Ole Miss. See what happens. 
So, but that was the the Mizzou game. This broke a long-standing losing streak against Mizzou that we had. Interesting enough, we hadn't played them since 2014, which is weird. I'll be dead in my cold grave before I recognize the state of Missouri. (laughs) Why does that that flag only have 49 stars? So, but but we beat them. Another big game that was going on at the same time, which I kind of wish I, w- I had been watching because I think it was a you know a more interesting game at least was the Florida LSU game, which was in LSU, and that was just them beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> it was it was almost touchdown to touchdown, like the the final score LSU forty nine, Florida forty two. And it was funny because each of them would get up on the other. They'd get up like two two touchdowns on the other. And then the, the other team would come back. Like Florida would get up by two touchdowns, and LSU would come back, and LSU would get up by a couple touchdowns, and Florida would come back. And it just kept they just kept trading touchdowns. And it was sort of like, who had the ball last? Well, that's who won. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because Florida was ranked at that point. <laughs> yeah. Florida was ranked 20 and LSU was unranked. You see kind of a lot of the rankings sort of skip around on this one. The quote-unquote big game for the SEC was the Georgia-Kentucky game because going into this in the East, both those teams were unbeat. They both had a 6-0 and record. Kentucky was ranked 11. Georgia was ranked number one. They both looked really good. Everybody was just amazed at Kentucky's performance. But Georgia did come out and do what Georgia does. They they won that game 30-13, to so fairly handily. Kentucky was able to actually score points on Georgia, so good on them. And they still at that point had a record of 6-1. and one. So they were second best in the East, which is just mind blowing because <laughs> you have Vanderbilt and then Kentucky and then South Carolina. And those three teams are sort of the easier, typically the, the less good teams in the SEC East. But Kentucky is now like underneath Georgia, which is normally where Florida is or, or Florida and Georgia are kind of trading off spot top spots. It's it's been weird. Alabama destroyed Mississippi State 49 to nine. It was kind of a revenge of the tide. <laughs> like, you know, and I feel, I feel like doubly bad for Mississippi state. Cause their, their colors are maroon and white. So it's like, you don't even have to pretend <laughs> like you just take your revenge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible thing, but this is basically the analogy. You know, Alabama went on a date with, with Texas A&M and they got beat. So what happens the next week? Alabama goes find somebody that they can beat. You know, yep. <laughs> It's like, it's sorry, it's not because of you. It's because of what happened to me from somebody else. So, But, you know, you're in my crosshairs now, so we're just going to pound on you. Yep. So Ole Miss has a struggle win over Tennessee, which Ole Miss at that time was ranked 13. Tennessee was, of course, unranked, although they weren't having a bad season for Tennessee at that point. They were 4-3, and three, but Ole Miss barely beats them. Uh, you know, and it's weird because Ole Miss came off of a barely beat Arkansas the week before and now they barely beat Tennessee and they're, they're still winning, but everybody is all like, Oh, Miss is the best thing since sliced bread, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they're barely <laughs> winning here, folks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how anybody can be just impressed with Ole Miss. I mean, yeah. Auburn beats Arkansas, which is a, a turnaround because Arkansas is still ranked at this point, but Auburn is not. We come out of this Arkansas is not ranked anymore, but Auburn is. And then the Vanderbilt South Carolina game, which is won by South Carolina by one point. 21 to 20. <laughs> you know what's the most insulting part about Arkansas right now is that I'm looking at their record, and in conference, they're only one in three, right? Mm-hmm. That one came from us. <laughs> I know, right? Like, <laughs> you just stare at that and you're like, 
<laughs> so big, big blowout game of this week was just wonderful for me to see uh, was Purdue. Purdue played Iowa. Iowa was ranked number two, and I think I've expressed that I think Iowa and Penn State were over. Purdue comes out and decimates Iowa 24 to 7. So, yeah. <laughs> Cincinnati puts a hurt on UCF 56 21. Not really shocked there. Oklahoma does come out and beats TCU 52 to 31. So, not anything like the struggle Texas had to beat them. Another wonderful day because Oklahoma State beat Texas. 32-24. At this point, Texas was ranked 25, obviously massively overranked. I honestly think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are actually decently ranked. <laughs> Unlike a lot of the folks up in the Big Ten who are ranked really high right now who don't deserve to be, I think Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are, are about where they should be. It's the SEC who's kind of taking in the shorts on you know where they are or where not they are. You know, here's the funny part. I know you're like saying the fanfare behind Oklahoma may not be deserved, but I feel it's at least more deserved than say Texas. No, no, I, I that's why I'm agreeing. I think Oklahoma deserves. I think they come yeah. into to week eight, rank number three. I think that's where they should be. Yeah, they're a solid team, and they're in in a conference where nobody wants to be in it. They're still playing high football, you know, high quality football. Yeah, and Texas is trying. But failing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the problem there is, is Texas still tries to tout itself. It's like, you know, we yeah. got these great facilities in our own sports network, and we're the best. That's why we're going to the SEC. <laughs> yep. And Oklahoma, you know, I get the more incense from Oklahoma. It's like, oh, we can play. <laughs> we can throw down with the best of the SEC. We want to take a shot at Alabama every year. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's basically my feeling, too. So and coming out of this week, uh, Iowa is no longer ranked which I agree with. Purdue actually gets ranked. They're, they go, they come in at rank 25. And Penn State drops to 7, which uh, I still think is a little highly ranked, and we'll see why. <laughs> week 8. <laughs> so Week 8, the A&M game, we can actually cover really fast because it was against South Carolina, and South Carolina is really just awful. Yes, it was. I mean, from the get-go. I mean, the very opening part of that game, uh, we defer... And South Carolina goes, they don't go three and out, but, you know, they end up having to punt it. And we punt, returned the punt for a touchdown. And that basically sets the tone. It was offensive practice for, for A&M the whole game. Yeah. The two touchdowns that South Carolina gets more or less came from penalties. <laughs> it was like every third or fourth play they were calling holding on Al- on A&M. <laughs> well, and, and a lot of that was due to, that was our second string. That was an entire, almost an entirely second string defense mm-hmm. and almost an entirely second string offense. Like that was the fourth quarter. The reason South Carolina looks dominant in the fourth quarter is because that's our second string. That's all of the, you know, it was all second string A&M players. It was all second string or offensive, all defensive. And so South Carolina wins that quarter 14 to three you know, but they lost every other quarter. They didn't score a single point in any other quarter. They, they and they, you know, gave up 14 points and then 17 points and then 10 points. They just did not, you know. They, and it was funny because the announcers were all in the fourth quarter. They're like, "Oh yeah, so you know, we're finally getting to see South Carolina start to click." And you know, and they're not they're not a terrible football team. They're not, you know, they're. De- and I was like, they're playing against a And M second string guys. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, they they are terrible. They're, they're yeah. very terrible. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's this coach's first year, and it's the first year after like another coach's second year. So I, I don't expect South Carolina to be able to be good for another three to four years. 
especially considering South Carolina's recruiting ability is nothing like a lot of the people out of the West. And so I think I think there's a lot of pressure on them to be a lot better than they are. I kind of back you up on that because like every so often they they turn the camera on the South Carolina coach. And I was going to say, you know, again, talking with my girlfriend watching it, but the guy kind of looks like a dick, you know, like when the call wouldn't go his way, he'd just be like really pissed off about it. And it's like, well, I mean, don't blame the ref for, for a call you didn't get. I mean, you guys need to be showing up. I mean, yep. you're not losing this game because of the refs. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're losing because you're a bad football team. Yep. <laughs> and so like you said, there's, for whatever reason, there's a lot of pressure and you could kind of tell. And it's like, but if you're a new coach and this is a new setup, I mean, why are you putting yourself that pressure on yourself? It's not like A&M, like A&M consistently gets close every year, but they're just not perfect. That's a little different, but I don't recall a single year where South Carolina has been that close to, to anything, you know? Right. Calzada played better in this one, QB rating of 79.2, which is better. You know, he's still 50% on his passes. Yeah. I was going to say, he's like a 50% quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Again, it was our rushing game. I think we put up a total of like 450 yards of offense on this on this game. Yes. 460. Yeah. Like. Going into the fourth quarter, this is how unbalanced things were. It was like 400 and, yeah, 449 yards of offense going into the fourth quarter to South Carolina's nine. Right. In three quarters, they had managed to get nine yards. Now that changed in the fourth quarter. Right. But that's how that's how unbalanced this game was, even with Calzada having a 50% passing ratio. He is getting better. I think he's still getting better. Uh, but again, it was, our, it was our rushing. I mean, Spiller and A-Chain and to some extent Smith just doing whatever they wanted to. <laughs> Effectively. <laughs> Real quick, other big games. Let's see. Yeah, Oklahoma beat Kansas. What, a game that looked really close going into the locker room, Tennessee and Alabama. You know, Tennessee was only seven points away. In the third quarter, they were still only seven points away. But in the fourth quarter, Alabama came out and scored 28 points. <laughs> it's nice to see that a and going to be in Alabama's head for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. Just so that way they could just completely and utterly commit domestic violence on whoever they're playing. Yeah. I was rooting really hard for Tennessee because if Tennessee beats Alabama and and mm-hmm. A&M wins out, A&M goes to the to the conference championship. Right. I mean, that's pretty sweet. And and I think it would have been awesome for the volunteers if they've been able to beat Alabama cuz going to the fourth quarter, uh, you know, I was I was thinking, I'm like Alabama almost lost to Florida and Florida looked bad this year. Looked pretty bad. And then they, you know, they lost to us. If they lose to Tennessee, they're just not Alabama. Mm-hmm. But they did. They won. They came back and scored 28 points in one quarter. I mean, think about it. They literally scored every time they touched the ball. That's that's the only way you can do that in one quarter <laughs> is, is you score a touchdown every time you get the ball. Another music to my ears game was Illinois-Penn State. Uh, Penn State came in ranked 7, Illinois unranked. Final score was 20-18, to 18, but it only happened after 9 overtimes bastards stole our thunder <laughs> yeah the previous record was jointly held by us i don't remember the other but the AM lsu game which went to seven overtimes in 2018 there was another game that went to seven overtimes that was the record they decided to beat that record by two <laughs> so 20 to 18 seven overtimes penn state loses to illinois again like i've been saying penn state 
and Iowa massively overranked. So I think we'll watch. We'll see Penn State either drop out the bottom or pretty close, which I'll be very happy about. Iowa State beat Oklahoma State, which was a little bit of a shocker. So Oklahoma State was ranked number eight. Iowa State unranked. Uh, I'll be interested to see where they pop up. Ole Miss killed LSU 31-17. That was not unexpected. Wake Forest beat Army 70-56. to I mean, you want to talk about an offensive game. <laughs> 70 to 50. That's a basketball score. Right. It is a basketball score. <sighs> so I kind of just want to do a quick talk about, you know, what's been going on with the rankings this season. Sure. And it just it doesn't seem like even AP or the coaches know what to make of it because nobody is standing out like before. Yeah. Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State were like these big teams. But it, right now, if you really look at those teams, Georgia is the only one that I think is is been like great you know so i would say georgia and oklahoma are really the only two teams that that have consistently looked good in every game i think they're the only two teams that still have like an unblemished record you know they haven't lost a game yet everybody else seems to have lost a game you know the sec west is pretty bad in that respect we're all just beating the snot out of each other at different points in our i don't know what you call it but season life cycle here and so mm-hmm. you could you could make the argument, oh, you're all two lost teams, you know, except for Alabama and still a one lost team. So, you know, you're all really not that good. Right. Because like Ohio State's still ranked fifth. But I mean, the one time they played anybody, which was Oregon, they got beat. Mm-hmm. So I, and I'll be interested to see is Ohio State, Michigan hasn't happened yet, has it? No, that's going to be later on. That's going to be the 27th of November. So after Thanksgiving. Yep. That's, I think, going to be the big game because Michigan's get ranked pretty pretty well this year, too. You know, I think they've dropped Iowa and Penn State, and they're, they're glommed on to, you know, Michigan and, and Ohio State. And I honestly think the truth is it, it's sort of the reverse of the SEC. Like, we're beating each other up because we're good. They're beating each other up because they're not. Right. I mean, right now, Michigan's ranked sixth to – Ohio State's number five ranking, so maybe that'll actually be a good game this year. Yeah, uh, but that's several weeks out, so who knows what what it's going to look like. Yep. And the other thing we're seeing we're seeing a lot of non-power five conference teams being ranked. I mean, Wake Forest is ranked. Mm-hmm. North Carolina State's ranked. Because uh, none of them look good. Nobody looks good. Like there's no discernible Heisman Trophy winner out there that anyone's talking about. There, there were some people that were started chanting Spiller for Heisman <laughs> at the end. At the and I mean, heck, sure, why not? Right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he's an amazing running back. There, there are some. You know, let's have a running back win this thing instead of a instead of a quarterback or receiver. Yeah, there are some fantastic running backs in in college football right now. Why not? Why not make a run with a bunch of them? I mean, as much as I hate Texas, like B. John Robinson is a fantastic running back. He just is. And granted, the whole team's a one trick pony built around him, but he's still a fantastic running back. Spiller's a fantastic running back. The guy that Alabama has, I can't remember his name, but he's a fantastic running. It, it, there's a lot of good guys out there. They're just not quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to us. And uh, so hopefully hopefully we'll just keep on going on this path that uh, for Texas a and Remember, we've got a Facebook page now. We've got a website. We've got a Patreon. We appreciate your patronage. And uh, come support your friendly local Pat and Fat Man. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. Yeah, 
Oh, what in the hell? I don't, don't want to be proud of my walls. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about the Bear Dynasty. All right, there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>